Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. What about someone who's thinking about starting comedy and they're like, how do I even start stand-up comedy? Like, what, what would be your advice to them? Stand-up what? Stand-up comedy? Oh, uh, no, sketches. Do sketches. Do sketches online. Do sketches online. Do side-by-sides online. Do, com you know, comical commentary. Comedic commentary. And then work on your stand-up so that once you have a following, then you can go, I'm a stand-up comedian. Whoa, so you're saying build an audience before you even try to develop as a stand-up. you want to get paid. Again, are you talking commerce or funny? Right. It's two different things. Hot breath. Uh, hello, Hot breath verse. Welcome back to Hot Breath, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. Our episode today is with a guest we had back on Hot Breath episode number 120. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and we're in the 400s now. Wow. So it's been a hot minute, but if you want to hear all the context for all the clubs he's owned and all the people that he's managed and just get a context for the career he has and why he is having the success and why he's connected to the people he's connected to. Go back and listen to that episode. It'll be linked in the show notes. But please welcome back to the show, Mr. Gary Abdo, everyone. Oh, oh my gosh, it's Gary Abdo. Can't tell if you're blushing or if it's my new lights. It, I, I'm, I'm always flush. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah, I'm 12. So <laughs> so we you, you were talking about wanting to come back on the show. Was it for a specific reason or you just... Um, well, yeah, I've, I've lost 30 pounds since the last <laughs> one. So I, I wanted to, I needed a better video uh, representation uh, of myself. Okay, I see what it is. Okay, um, it was a vanity. I thought it's because uh, you liked me, but I guess it well, was that a vanity. Well, that's why I okay. do like you. I, I, and that was funny, right? On the last one, you're like, but you don't book me anymore. It's like, you don't come here anymore. I, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got 72 comics a night. Yeah. You should have said 71 uh, uh, for those of you who are comedians. Odd numbers are funnier. So uh, <laughs> seventy-one comedians a night mm -hmm. trying to trying to get stage time. Yeah, and that's something we learned last time is like a lot of times us comics will take something personally of like, oh, that booker hates me. But it's literally like you see so many comedians that if we're not top of mind, you're not going to think to book us. Well, it, yeah, and there's been an, an, a very interesting uh, growth process in myself as a human. Mm. Over over these past three years since the the last time I uh, I did this and and part of it was a, a serious mental health crisis uh, and working through that and and part of that mental health crisis is learning about the human condition learning about my own human condition and then like really becoming aware of that condition in other people and especially in this business in the entertainment business. Somebody who who is like, oh my god, that booger doesn't like me because he didn't book me. They're having a self-esteem issue. They're mm. having self-worth issues, which a lot of the times is what drives us to perform to begin mm -hmm. with. Yeah, you know, it's the black hole, the god hole, as you know, we refer to it sometimes. Where you know, I need that gratification. I need you know, especially for comedians, it's alone on stage immediate gratification from an audience, you know, uh, 
you know, for a lot of actors or film and television, you know, it's the gratification that come after the, after the, you know, product is, is uh, distributed and shown. But that is something that as I became more self-aware of my own issues, I became massively aware of the issues of a lot of comedians and, mm. and you see it, you know, I've always said that dealing with comedians is a lot like running a mental health facility. It's, <laughs> uh, you know, that is a good idea. <laughs> right, now let's right. get you back to your room and get you your medication. Yeah. You know, very um, fragile. Very, but that's part of the artistry of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and then you go through those situations, uh, uh, for yourself and you, and you take a whole other step back at, at looking what people come through. And, um, you know, I've been working on my book, uh, for years, you know, mm -hmm. just playing around, uh, with it, but then going through what I went through and then, you know, right. As a, I'm starting to really kind of see the light of day at the end of this mental health crisis. Oh, there's a worldwide pandemic and I can die tomorrow. Uh, right, great. Uh -huh. Let me, let me dive back into this, you know, uh, <laughs> survival instinct or whatever. So that kind of got me back into writing actually. Oh, cool. So, you know, um, and a refocus and looking at, at the book in a different light, looking at it as these stories are incredibly inspirational. You know, I paid Chris Tucker $35 to perform, you know, and he and I talked uh, just about a year ago, actually, about that. And he didn't, he hadn't put two to two together and remembered that it was my gig but he remembers that gig. Was that Dugan's? Dugan's, yeah. Yeah, that was your uh, first show you ever ran, right? Here yeah, in Atlanta? Yeah. yeah. Uh, nobody was doing one-nighters. People, people, you know, everybody looks at all the one-nighters that are around right now. Those didn't exist. Mm-hmm. They didn't exist because there were six comedy clubs at the time. And just like there wasn't like an urban comedy club. Like it was more like the Chitlin circuit, but there wasn't like an upscale place. Well, no, that's right when. When, when you started uptown, I'm saying. Well, no, uh, Comedy Act Theater. Oh, okay. Com but Comedy Act Theater, I think, only lasted like two years. Um, they had opened up and they were packed. And then Earthquake took me to see what they were doing. And having my restaurant background, I was like, oh, they're doing this wrong, completely wrong. And that's kind of where it stemmed. All right, let's do it right. Let's, you know, make it an upscale club. Let's provide great service. Let's have enough people on the floor to deliver the food and drinks, uh -huh. you know, in time. Because that is a, you know, that's a big complaint that we get a lot. People will be like, you know, I haven't gotten my food yet. Well, that's because 240 people all sat down at the same time. And you were... 239 and 240. Wow. Yeah. So your order got in last and it takes a minute to cook all that. It's not, it's unlike any restaurant you've ever been to where you have to. So there are certain processes that we've developed to try and cut that time, mm -hmm. cut that time frame down that, that seemed to work. And it's, you know, that seems to work a little bit better uh, these days. I'm curious with like, we're talking about like old, like where comedy was to where it is now. Why do comedy clubs still pay the same? It's like you're well, talking. We don't. We don't. We pay the same to 
people who can't sell tickets like like host and feature it's like been the same forever because they're not what are you bringing to the table well people are coming to see a show and we're providing the service of comedy i get that but i'm gonna give you the realistic answer and there's a line of you Mm -hmm. so unless you're selling tickets why did your why does your pay go up because i got i've got because inflation goes up the cost of living goes up. The cost of running this club goes up. So if you're not bringing someone, it, th- this is the hardest part, I think, for comedians to understand. If you want to talk about funny, let's talk about funny. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk about commerce, then let's talk about commerce. Yeah. If you're not bringing commerce to the table, if you're just bringing funny to the table, I got a whole bunch of funny. I got a whole bunch of funny right in here. It's, but why, I wonder why there hasn't even been, that topic is not even really discussed. It's like every other job, the pay has gone up over the years, but for comedians, it's stayed the same. And I'm not accusing you, but as someone, as an industry expert, it's like, as me being a comedian, I'm like, why are we like the only job that isn't getting more? I hate to tell you, uh, it hasn't stayed the same. I pay less. So, but like $50 to host, I guess that's like the average. Right. But you're saying, I mean, you paid Chris. I don't pay, I don't pay features at all anymore. Here? I don't have feature acts anymore. Now, like if Mm. a headliner is bringing a feature act, that's negotiated through the, through the agent and they're going to bring a feature act and that's all worked out in advance. But if I just have a, a, you know, average headliner coming in, there's no feature money. I'll just run a couple of guest sets because the commerce right. is shrinking for comedy clubs. So if you take, uh, so we have Schuler King this weekend. He will sell out the club. Okay. Mm-hmm. But he's going to take the door. So I'm just a restaurant or I can bring in somebody and I won't throw anybody under the bus, but, I can bring in somebody who's been doing comedy for 25 years who can't sell really well, mm-hmm. but they've got a good enough name that I can paper and at least get some people in here. Well, I don't have a big door and it basically works out to about what I'm paying him anyway. So I'm a restaurant. So when that commerce at the door, when, when, the, when the entertainment money of it starts shrinking, that's what you have to work with. Because I can't touch my F&B money, my food and beverage money, because I have to run a restaurant. So in, in my mind, when I'm working the commerce out for a week, those two things are totally separate because that has nothing to do with what's going on on this stage. That has to sustain itself. I have to make a per head average. I have to keep my labor costs down. I have to keep my liquor costs down. I have to keep my food costs down. I have to run a restaurant. Then the stage, that all comes out of the commerce front door. So that's mm-hmm. the fluctuation. So the guys that can sell tickets know they can sell tickets and they're taking that door. And the guys that can't sell tickets are barely bringing in a door. That's why you're in the predicament that you're in. So comedians should be producing their own shows if they want to try to make any sort of like significant living, building an audience while also producing their own shows. Well, yeah. I mean, like this day and age, you know, like a lot of the more old school comedians who have been doing this for a long time, but who have not focused on social media, 
you know, we'll be like, well, when can I get booked at the club? When you're willing to put your money where your mouth is and mm. not put my money where your mouth is. <laughs> that's called the door deal. Yeah. If no commerce comes in the front door, that's how much you get paid. I can't take that risk anymore. I used to be able to 20 years ago because people would come to a comedy club just to come to a comedy club. They're not doing that anymore at all. I mean, they'll, they'll still do it in New York and L.A. And in New York, because they give away the tickets. Times Square, you know, the hustle there. Mm -hmm. In L.A., you know, I don't know how they drive the traffic in the clubs in L.A., the main ones, you know, like the Laugh Factory or the store or the improv. Um, you know, and they, they get it because, you know, all the producers and directors and then casting people are all going through the clubs, so people are willing to work. But you go to those clubs... And you pay $25 a set no matter who you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard like at the comedy store, like Joe Rogan would get 25 bucks. Right. That's it. Yeah. That's all, they, that's all they get. Yeah. So, you know, their commerce model is a little bit different. Um, you know, but once you get, you know, in the flyover states for the rest of us, you know, it's, it's tough. These are the, these are the discussions I have with all my, you know, club owner friends. Is, you know, what do you do? You find people that can sell tickets. You find people that the, the art form has changed. It's one of the things that worried me, you know, especially at the beginning of the pandemic is the pandemic. They wanted us to do everything that we is against what we do in order to sustain ourselves. Right. Socially distance and, mm -hmm. you know, wear, wear masks and, uh, you know, OK, so now my 250 seat room is now, you know, 90 seats. I can't live on that. So even before the pandemic, those numbers were shrinking. And then you get into the pandemic and you're like, holy crap, I don't know what what is going to survive and what isn't. Yeah. I know. I know a couple of clubs that have closed that didn't, that didn't make it. But um you know, it's the commerce side of it. It seemed, and that, that, I mean, what I've learned is I was on the road a lot pre-pandemic. I was starting to do like a lot of comedy zones and stuff. And yeah. then as I was starting to get back into that, uh, as the pandemic, as the shows were starting to come back, I was realizing, man, I can drive all the way to Florida to headline for less money than if I produce my own show here in Atlanta. I can get paid more here in Atlanta, just produce my own thing as opposed to yeah. driving all the way there. And I see the value in the reps and I, the ex stage experience. And I do see the value in that, but it is also like to make a living. It's almost like as a comedian now, as you're talking about the art form change, it almost seems like the business side, it's no longer like get in with this club, climb the ladder, yeah, no. become, it's like, you've got to create your own everything at this point. Well, it as is. A comedian. And it's, you know, and, and it really is social media driven. You know, mm -hmm. um, you'll, he you'll hear all the old school comedians, you know, poo poo all the Internet comedians. Well, some of those Internet comedians are pulling down 50, 100, 200. I know one particular comedian who I used to manage who is pulling down $400,000 a month. A month. Just on social media? From monetizing social media. Well, that would... Because you've managed Country Wayne and Anyways, Jess Hilarious. So I don't know. Okay. <laughs> a month. A month. We don't want to get his child support messed up, though. So a month. We'll, uh, 
a month. Yeah. So, you know. You got to create it yourself. Go, the other thing that I find, too, is that it's not about the art form. It's about the marketing of the art form. So I can have a guy on radio who used to be able to, you know, who's fantastic on radio and knows how to promote and everything. It doesn't drive the traffic anymore like it used to. Mm -hmm. You'll t If you start talking to the comedy club owners, you'll start finding we're not doing radio like we used to at all. I mean, I was on every single week for decades. No more. No more. So Schuler King is here this week. He's selling out. I'm not going to spend a penny on radio ads. It's all social media. It's all social media driven. Wow. So he drives his own numbers. So for any comics up and coming, man, it is all about posting, posting four, five, six times a day, new material every day. It's the only way you will move. It's the only way you will move your own bar up. You know, the, the good and the bad of it is you are in control of your own destiny. Right. And the bad of it is you are in control of your own. destiny. <laughs> There's no one to blame. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's real work. Mm hmm. And, you know, everybody used to be about funny and it's not. I'm dealing with one guy right now who's been doing this for 28 years and who has lots of national credits some big ones even just recently tickets aren't moving it's like because you are not listening to me you need to put the swipe up link in your instagram that takes people and say atlanta under it that takes them directly to my tickets ticketing site to buy tickets you need to post every day you need to go live every day talking about the gig you have to sell five and ten tickets a day to make progress you don't go from 30 tickets sold to your week of the show and suddenly think you're going to sell 800 tickets. It's not the way it works. If there's no interest at the beginning when you go on sale and some kind of movement as the time progresses and your date gets closer, then there's no interest. It's that simple. That's a horrible thing to have that discussion with somebody. They don't get it. You know, especially a comedian who's put almost 30 years into their career. And it's like, I'm trying to help you. I'm not I'm not bad mouthing you. I'm trying to tell you how to survive. And you're not listening. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, like I'm, I'm looking, I'm taking social media more seriously, but there's parts I'm like, well, what do I even what do I even post? Like at a it certain point, matter. it doesn't matter. It's just being in front of them. It, it, you know, if you look at at at. Country Wayne, for example, he's done an amazing job and he has created story arcs and characters and, you know, uh, and then he, you know, throws them up, uh, you know, in variations to catch your attention so that you come back and you look and catch your attention and come back uh -huh. and look. Yeah, like and, a series. Right. The side by side thing. So several of the comedians that I know who have taken off on social media numbers said, they just look at the analytics and those side by side where it's either a video or a picture and you're commenting on that video or picture, the analytics of the people that are that the amount of people that are watching that side by side far outweigh just a regular shot of you talking or a sketch. For some reason that captures people's attention and they love it. 
So, you know, that's a great way to push it. The other way is, you know, you have to invest in yourself. You have to boost, you know, your own posts. Ten bucks. I mean, you don't have to go crazy, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, boost it. And then follow your analytics. Where are your cities? Where Where's the strongest points for you? Boost in those cities. Build those cities. Then do a door deal. You might not get paid. You might make 100 bucks. You might make 500 bucks. Whatever it is, get into a comedy club. Put your money where your mouth is. Get into a comedy club in, that, in those top markets of your own and keep building. Or just go to another venue. Do we even need a comedy club? Okay, so if you go to another venue, now you've got to rent the venue. So now there's a, an upfront cost. Now mm -hmm. there's, uh, are you insured? Because now you're renting the venue. The venue is going to have a hold harmless in there, which means they're not insured. So if, God forbid, anything like what happened in Houston yeah. happens, right? If somebody walks out the venue and trips and falls, they're suing you. Mm -hmm. And you have no insurance. And trust me, everybody's looking for that sue check. So, you know, when you put all of that, like I've had people, we have our record label here. So I've had comedians go, well, I can record it. Why do I got to sign with you? Because I have an audience. I have a venue. I have the equipment. I have the editor who mixes it down. We have the contacts to put it where it needs to be. All of the things you don't have. So, yeah, you can do it. Now, add up the cost of you renting a venue, filling the venue. If you ain't got an audience, you ain't got a recording. Yeah. You know, when you put it together, the dynamics of it, there's no reason not to come here and do an album. This is our, our uh, Lavelle Crawford has an album with us. Mm. T.K. Kirkland's album hit 3.5 million spins on Pandora and was top 10 of Billboard comedy. We produced that. That's from us. That's from our work. So, you know, our record label is fantastic and does well. So, you know, that's the thing. It's, it's all about marketing and it's all about. Plus, the, here's the other thing that a lot of the social media comics will, will be like, well, I can't. So now that's a regular comic you were talking about. Now, let's say you're a social media comic with a million people, right? Mm -hmm. So do I go to Birmingham and play the Stardome for one night or do I rent a venue? Well, you go to Birmingham and play the Stardome, you're going to be on their website. You're going to be tied into their weekly emails, letting people know who are there. They are going to put a little bit of radio behind you, more than likely. They might get you television interviews and everything else. You're tying in with marketing machines that have been in place for decades. So it helps build your following, mm -hmm. you know, and that was that was an important thing that I I pointed out to both Jess and Wayne at the times when I was managing them is I understand you have a large social media impact, but you need to hit these clubs. Watch your analytics. They're going to go through the roof when you do a tour and, you know, you're out for a month straight doing all kinds of different markets, even if it's just, you know, Two shows in Birmingham one night, two shows in Huntsville one night, two shows in Nashville, Memphis. You know, uh, I've sent them both on 10-day runs in Texas with, you know, one after the other type of show. Your analytics are going to grow because mm. you're being marketed. And then you're on everybody's, you know, fresh on everybody's mind. When the first week that I managed Wayne, the first 
gig that I did when I was managing him was in Columbia, South Carolina. And that weekend was the weekend that the hurricane rolled through. About six months later, when we were about to sign with the world's largest talent agency, the guy brought out an analytics book of his big, with all the analytics that he attracted about Wayne. And he said, I don't even know if you're aware of this. That first weekend in Columbia, South Carolina, the hurricane was rolling through. The number one trending thing in Columbia, South Carolina, the weekend the hurricane came through was country plans. <laughs> it's incredible. Not the hurricane. Wow. It was Wayne. Wow. And that's the part that they missed. So those things are important. I mean, you know, each person has to balance their own, you know, need for commerce or, you know, but if you're making your decisions based on money, you're making the wrong decisions. So what, what about someone who's thinking about starting comedy and they're like, how do I even start stand up comedy? Like what, what would be your advice to them? Stand up what? Stand up comedy. Oh, uh, no sketches. Do sketches. Do sketches online. Do sketches online. Do side by sides online. Do com you know comical commentary, comedic commentary, and then work on your stand up so that once you have a following, then you can go. I'm a stand up comedian. Whoa! So you're saying build an audience before you even try to develop as a stand up. Well, if you want to get paid again, are you talking commerce or funny? Right. It's two different things. Yeah, and that is I, th I think. That, that's so funny. It is, I mean, it's definitely show business, but it seems like now more than ever, yeah, funny almost doesn't even matter. It's like, for, for us, it's like, yeah, I want other comics to think I'm funny and whatnot. Like, right. like in that that's mentality. And that's self-esteem issues. That's that God hole you were talking about. But who doesn't, if it's, if it's your passion, you want to be very proficient at it. But it changes. That changes when you come out the other side of a mental health crisis, that changes. So like where I had to own a club, so I had an identity and whatever, I don't, I don't need that anymore. Now I'm truly doing it because this is what I love to do. I don't have to identify. I don't have to be right in all my decisions. I can make mistakes. I don't have to have Dave Chappelle walk across my stage mm -hmm. twice a year. I would like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's due, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dave. Yeah, Dave, if you're listening. Come on. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's more about the audience. It's more about presenting the art form to the audience. You have to worry about commerce because you've got to pay bills. Mm-hmm. I don't like to work free. Like nobody else likes to work free. So I need to get paid too. So yes, you worry about commerce, but there's a difference. I don't have to be, you understand what I'm saying? Well, well, self-esteem. Yeah. So like where I'm at right now is I've been doing this over 11 years. Right. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm doing this forever, so I'm not like getting impatient, but I am at a point of like, feel almost like starting to strangle comedy of like, how can I squeeze money out of you? You know what I mean? Like I'm at a point now of like, I've been doing this 11 years. I should be making more than like a teacher's salary or, you know what? I should be making a teacher's salary doing this, <laughs> to be honest. You know what I mean? And it's, and I'm like, Oh, I'm funny. 
I've literally worked the majority of my career on the show side and not the business side. So that, so in my mentality right now is like trying to be like, all right, how can I squeeze money out of comedy? And it's, it's like just suffocating it is honestly where I'm at right now. Marketing. 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 So what would you do? You're, you're Joel Byers manager. What, what do you do? White boy. How would you fix me? How would you, how would you amplify market me? Uh, you have to post six times a day, new material, switch it up, watch your analytics, what works, what doesn't work. Sit, take what, take the systems you would apply into creating a set, right? Mm -hmm. And apply those same systems to marketing. So in your set, do you write a joke and you go, this is it. This is my whole set. Every one of these jokes is fantastic. <laughs> Everybody's going to laugh at them. And then you get up there and everyone laughs at every joke or, or do you do a joke at bombs and you go, well, I need to fix this. You do another joke and it only hits halfway. Well, maybe I can tweak it. Maybe I can pull this out. That's what you do with your marketing. So look at your analytics. How many likes did you get? How many people viewed it? You know, get deep into it, make a chart. Business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. Track yeah. Track it. Find out what, your viewership works, drop a little bit of money behind it. How did that change the analytics? So if you were gonna do that, right? All right, I'm gonna do a side-by-side, -side, okay? Now I'm gonna do a side-by-side -side and put a $10 boost on it, and it's roughly the same topic. Let me see if that changes the analytics. Did it change the analytics? Yes, it did. I got way more hits. Okay, great. So now, check. Talking about this on a side-by-side -side gets me this. It's all data, because it's all about marketing. You have to be your own ad agency. You know, you go to a professional ad agency, they know what works, they have all the analytics behind it, they know where to put the money to make it work, to sell a product. That's what we are. We are a country of ads, right? Mm -hmm. That's how it works. You have to do the same thing for yourself. It used to just be do, do good radio and it would drive it. It doesn't work anymore. Okay, that's good to know. So work harder. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and I've never been afraid to work hard, but it's like working smarter of like. Sure. But I'm yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, working hard is like why this podcast is still happening and it's right. still just me. You know what I mean? Like producing it. So, uh, I mean, I, I outsource the audio editing now. That's a, that was a big step for me, but I, yeah. I am like holding on to a lot of things that I probably could outsource to just focus on like Joel Byers and my, like my personal marketing and brand, you know what I mean? Well, and you have to separate those two and then find a way to combine those two as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So you got to market the podcast, but you also want to market Joel Byers, you know, the Joel Byer brand as a comedian. And you do that. I've seen your clips of stand up, and I've seen your, I've been testing the waters. Right. I haven't been doing it six times a day. It's six times but, a day. Yeah. Three in the morning. Because people are on their phones in the morning before they go to work, before they roll out of bed, 20 minutes of scrolling. Mm -hmm. And then afternoon, three at, you know, five o'clock. So you're catching everybody when they're getting off work. Is this, are you seeing it like Instagram and TikTok or to Facebook? Well, you know, if you listen to anything like Gary Vee and, and all of that, I mean, he'll be the first to tell you if you're not on LinkedIn, you are missing the boat. If you're not on TikTok, you're missing the boat. Mm -hmm. They're huge. Um, Josh Nasser, 
You know Josh? Heard the name. He's a comedian out of LA. Uh, he just started on TikTok. He's got 30 million views. And uh, he was in Nashville when we were there. And he was playing the club and he did okay. He sold a fair amount of seats on a Sunday, was it? Sunday afternoon show, you know, mm -hmm. and he made some money. So, you know, it, it it's all about it's all about getting the product out there and then watching the analytics of it. And you, yeah, and having a strategy. It's almost like I would need to strategize or like get a system in place because that, that something like you could get easily burnt out six times. It's like you need to have like multiple recorded ahead of time so you're not just like shooting from the hip every single time. Do you know anybody who has 400 plus podcasts that you could use? As, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. As See, fodder. The, I mean, the podcast. I mean, nobody has the interviews we have, and yet that's still kind of like. I mean, you're. It's slow and steady. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I look at your interviews and I'm like, okay, it's fairly freaking impressive. Some of the people you get. Yeah. So now, talk about the interviews. On a side by side, forty five seconds. This is when I interviewed blah, blah, blah. And, you know, <laughs> this is crazy. Listen to this. Because, again, you're, it, you don't want to dictate what entertainment is. You want to create what you'd like to create. And then you put your art form out there to find its audience. Mm -hmm. Right? You know, and that could be part of your, your commerce issue is, you know, the, maybe your audience doesn't want to go pay money for stuff. You know, it, it, yeah, right now, you know, what's so funny is I put I'm producing a, a show on the 20th and I posted on my Facebook. I was like, because I'm like, I'm just going to start asking people like one on one right. friends from high school, whatever. So I posted on Facebook. Who's who's in Atlanta on November 20th? It was all comedians. Do you need someone? Right. You need like, <laughs> my audience right now are like comedians that watch right. this. Like that's that's like basically. That's basically the the audience right now. So it, that it was eye opening. You know, and That's that could own. be and that could be part of the issue, right? Yeah. This podcast could be really just an industry podcast, and I'm not. And maybe it's maybe it's the title. Maybe yeah. it, You know, maybe it's. I mean, I don't. You know, I mean, Rogan talks to a lot of comedians. Mark Maron talks to a lot of comedians. You know. Um, Maybe expanding the base, maybe getting, making sure that, are you making sure everybody's tagging the the podcasts? Yeah, right. it's, I, I think, honestly, what I've been doing, maybe the majority of my career is just creating, I haven't done any marketing, I don't think, in general, right. on most of what I'm doing. Like, I'm just, I just keep creating and moving forward instead of like, okay, I have this catalog, how can I start to market this? Like, when I shot my special, I got followed around for four weeks I mean, I have all this footage of me preparing for my comedy special leading up to it that I, that's just like sitting on a hard drive right now. Like there's, there's a lot I've done that I just haven't even packaged into marketing. You know, and that's kind of that, but that's kind of the mental barriers that, you know, I've seen a lot of artists and that were, that I, you know, encompass myself. I mean, you know, I just realized, I mean, the other day I'm like, God, I haven't written in five months. I'm, you know, I wanted to release this book this summer and I'm like, oh God, can I, <laughs> can I get it done by the, you know, by the end of the year? But, you know, I'm also just living in my moment, you know, and, 
you know, a lot of times it, that those psychological issues is what drives the artistic. So I'm I'm like more trying to to be you know kumbaya and meditate and yeah and relax and enjoy life and travel. Uh, so you know, all of a sudden it, it isn't as important to me, and it has to be if you're going to you know produce that kind of work. So. I mean, you're probably answering your own question. Yeah, it's, it's but it's good to have like a sounding board sure. of like saying it out loud. That's why this podcast is so valuable for me to even just do because like you start to talk through things out loud that are in your head that as you hear them, you're like, oh, interesting. I was like, I've spent 11 years not marketing. And I'm like, Gary, why isn't anyone? <laughs> why isn't it working? I, no one knows it's out there, Joel. Market it. I, I think I, I can just, I'm so focused on gratitude that like I can justify anything as like optimistic to a degree of like, I mean, my, my goal now and why I'm so focused on money is like, I want to provide stability. Like I want to be the breadwinner. I want to be able to liberate my wife to do whatever she wants. If like, I'm not, she likes her job, but I would like for whatever reason, like her to have the option if she didn't want to do it right. for like there to be no problem in that, you know, but right now I can't. So that's become a big motivator. But I'm also like, well, I've been building this podcast consistently. I've been doing comedy 11 years. You know, I'm, consistency will pay off eventually and persistence and working hard. But I think there's ways to be smarter about the work as well. Well, I mean, how are you dealing with all of this along with your landscaping job? With my landscaping job? Oh, you don't have a job landscaping? <laughs> no. What about um, waiting tables? Right. I just do this. Yeah. Yeah. And what makes you think you're not successful? Yeah. I mean, I do. I, I just, I didn't get into comedy. I'm not aiming for the middle when I started comedy. I, I get that part of it, but it's also perspective. This is the ride. This is the treasure. You know, I'll hear a lot of comics, you know, oh, when I get my Netflix special, when I get my HBO special, when I, when I, when I, when I, you're not in your moment. You're not digging ditches. You're not, not that there's anything wrong with digging ditches. Mm -mm. You're, you're not doing a regular job. You're in the entertainment business. You are providing laughter to people, you know? I ask a lot of comedians and they don't think about this a lot. And maybe it's because I come from a theater background. Next time you're on stage, look out and through the audience and try and figure out how many phone calls did it take for tonight to happen? Mm. She called her. Go, you want to go to the comedy show? Yeah, I do. Okay, let's get tickets. What table? Do you think the other two want to go? What are you wearing? Was, oh, I got to get my hair done before. Oh, I got to go. So now they're making hair appointments and calling friends and they're buying tickets. What table are you sitting at? Think about and be grateful for whatever the audience is, 20, 30, 40, sold out, whatever it is. These people came to see you and you perform. That's an amazing amount of gratitude each and every one of us should have to this audience, however big the audience is. Mm -hmm. And if an entertainer's focus stays in that realm, this is for the audience. 
you'll never do wrong. You understand? Mm -hmm. I'm being funny for the audience. I'm going to be clean for the audience. I'm going to be dirty for the audience. I'm going to dress nice for the audience. I'm going to whatever it is. If that's your focus, then you are in the right realm of mind. You're in the right frame of mind to create. Then just take that to the audience that's on your phone, that's on Instagram. So let me provide them with some comedy. I'm going to do a little three minute, you know, and there's the little rules you got to do, right? It's got to be at least three minutes to monetize. To monetize. I haven't heard that. Yeah. You know, you know, they have so many views, blah, 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 whatever it is. Jordan Jackson is a great person to go to, to find mm -hmm. out how to do that. And then create the art. I mean, you literally could take your 400 podcasts, take a section from each where I'm going to talk about what Gary Abdo said here. Like, oh my God, I didn't even think about that, y'all. And then make it funny. Make your commentary funny without being degraded, especially if you're doing my podcast. No. <laughs> you know, be funny with it, uh -huh. you know? I remember when I did this podcast with so-and-so and, you know, and here's the crazy part, folks. He wasn't wearing pants. It was just because it was waist up, shot, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Be funny. Create the three minutes because now, now you're going to build that audience so the people already are watching your podcast. Now you're commentating on those podcasts. You already created the art. You have 400 podcasts at last. You have 400 hours plus of material mm -hmm. you can chop and do side by side. So why can't you do six new videos a day? I can. You can. And I will. And you will. There you go. Dab. Cool. You know, I was in uh, Portugal a month and a half ago. And my uh, barber here couldn't cut my hair before I left. So I was in Lisbon and I'm like, I need to get a haircut. I gotta get a haircut. So I was going on to London after that. So I'm like, I gotta look good, I gotta, gotta get a haircut. So I go to this barber and we're talking. Strange barber, strange city, strange shop. You know, I'm like, why not? Let's give it a give it a try. So we're talking and I start talking about what I do and whatever. And I'm like, oh, there's this great barber who does these incredible uh, uh, Instagram posts that are like really inspirational. Even though he's a barber, hmm. he's talking to the people and getting inspirational stories out of them. And that's what he's posting. And it, and he goes, oh, you mean Vic Blends? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly who I meant. You know Vic? And he goes, oh, I watch him all the time. This is Lisbon. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, now maybe he was watching because he's a barber too. I don't know. I don't know what the connection that brought him to it, but it was the inspirational part of it. So maybe you do an inspirational part. This is the, my podcast with whatever, you know, find the lanes that work or that, you know, you're comfortable doing and then do the analytics behind it. Right. And that's how you find your lane. Some people do it naturally. Right? They find, oh, when I do this, this works, I'll do it. And they're not, they're not really paying attention to it. But from any marketing standpoint, you should be. That's how you find out. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. That, that's, I have a lot of homework now. That's good. That's exciting. Are you still doing your, your once a week show? 
like the live show? Yeah. Uh, I, I host two monthly shows and then I started doing a weekly Wednesday show at the venue. Like I hosted a, a show at a brewery here in Tucker right. and then I started doing a, a weekly Wednesday show there as like a free, like kind of like open mic. I call it Tucker's got talent, okay. hoping like people that live in Tucker would come out and like just kind of be a free gateway into the showcase. Right. So I'm hosting that and then two monthly showcases and I'd like to really build those. I'd like to be running five shows a month is where my head is right now, because I do like the idea of being able to drive 10 minutes to make more than if I drove five hours. I'm really liking that idea. Yeah. Um, so. Well, yeah, but don't discount that five hour drive from building an audience. That's true. That is true. I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying and that's cool, but I wouldn't not take a gig just because it's a five-hour drive. Yeah, I guess I'm just going where the work is right now. I'm not really getting offered that many road, um, as many road gigs as I was pre-pandemic. I think, right. I mean, I, th I think everyone's like, give me work, you know? So I'm just trying to like create my own work essentially, you know? And yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, literally this has been the best year and a half of my career, which is, crazy to say that in the middle of a pandemic like business wise or just that you've been like living with dave Chappelle? <laughs> <laughs> which part is the best yes. part of your career yes, yes. <laughs> uh i mean business wise i mean you know a lot of it it just had to do with 75 percent of the clubs in the country were shut down all venues were shut down mm -hmm. so you know guys like Dave and, and Michael Blackson and Mike Epps and on and on and on. Louis CK. Louis I can't, CK. I came and saw Louis here. Miss Pat just shot her comedy special here. She did. Right here. There's some, she there's some did. special, uh, like, I don't know what you would call it. Woo woo going on in this room. Well, you know, it helps when Dave comes and crafts his Emmy winning SNL monologue at your club. Yeah, that uh, helps. That's a nice stamp of approval. Yeah. Uh, mind you. Um, and he just said the other day that, uh, yes, the Atlanta Comedy Theater, he absolutely loves it. Ooh. Those were his words. I love your club. And I'm like, thank you. Uh, <laughs> you turn into the giddy yeah. fan Aww. again. Oh, yeah. Aww, thanks. Um, but it's, it, it's more than that. It's because this is my passion, too. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the comedians don't understand the difference between somebody like me and some of the other comedy club owners that it's, you know, it's their business. And I'm not saying that it's not a passion for them, but you know, I have a bachelor of fine arts in acting and directing. I did stand up. I manage standups. I produce content. I, I love the entertainment business. I've always been an admirer of the audience. I've always, as I walk through the showroom to find out why somebody's, chicken wings are late coming out of the kitchen. I'm always well aware of the service that we're providing, you know, and it's important to me. It's important that, that people have that outlet to laugh, especially now, you know, we need it. And, uh, and I was concerned about comedy, you know, I, it'll be fine. It always will, but it's going to evolve our, our, my, my, my booking strategies, you know, now the venues are opening up. I just lost seven headliners to venue gigs who were on my books for sale. 
Fox Theater is doing a show. State Farm Arena is doing a show. So we got to pull it. We got to pull it. We got to pull it. You know, we'll reschedule. So now everybody gets rescheduled for, you know, three, four, five months from now. And, you know, and it leaves me in the lurch trying to find the big names that, you know, are still available. So now that everything's open and operating, it's tighter. It's harder, you know, to to get the list of names that we got. But what we've been doing is kind of balancing that off. So we'll have a, a you know, a, a, a veteran of the business who maybe doesn't have the social media oomph that some other people have. And then we book two different social media shows on top of that, you know, someplace in the week. And it, you know, you get a decent commerce week. Gotcha. Out of it. And you, I guess, yeah, we can, let's land this plane here, but I, I just wanted to add context to you being, you've literally been on the road with, Dave Chappelle for like a while now. And that all stemmed almost a, almost a year and a half. So it's, I mean, it's sort of like every show you you're like there. So like what, how <laughs> can you just tell us how this, uh, this came started, to be? It started, uh, last summer he was doing the summer camp and I saw a, uh, a picture from Donnell who was a, a friend, um, kayaking. And I was like, and it talked about a show. And I'm like, where the hell is this? I need this in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. I we're need, in the pandemic. I need to I, fill my God hole. You here. know, yeah. right. I need, to, I need to go. So uh, he says, yeah, I got you. Come up. We're, we're doing a show. So. Donnell? Uh, he was at summer camp with Dave. With Dave, they, yeah. They called it the Chappelle Summer Camp. Right. And, Which is what the documentary is about, right? Yes. Yeah. So um, I went up for one show. I immediately turned back around and went up and I was there 30 out of 45 days. And then they moved to Austin, Texas. And I went to Austin for three days and stayed for nine. And then I went to Austin for again for five days and stayed for eight. And uh, then I went to New York for the release of the documentary in DC at the Kennedy Center. And you're standing afterwards on the roof of the Kennedy Center overlooking the Lincoln Memorial and the Washington Monument at this incredible after party and you're just like this is insane i mean dave travels like no one else and he is like no one else he's the nicest human being on the planet i mean Mm. he's really the guy you think he is wow i I actually find it funny because i think people find it kind of anticlimactical to meet him (laughs) because you're thinking oh my god and he's just like hey how you doing he's just a regular guy yeah My staff, when he was here, when he was doing his SNL monologue, there were a couple of big name rappers in the green room after the show the first night. Dave's sitting in the showroom talking to the servers for like an hour. And they were like, why is he talking about that? Because he's a Midwestern guy. That's who he is. Wow. He's he's amazing. So, you know, and he's always shown me uh, respect over the years. And I didn't know why until after hanging around him so much, he's kind of bits and pieces of, of how he felt about that first week that he worked for me. I, he worked for me in 93. I was one of the first people to book him as a full-on headliner outside of New York and L.A. Uh-huh. to do a full hour set as a headliner. And he said it really forced him to write and changed how he looked at things. And, you know, it was... He was, it was, 
interesting to hear those words coming, wow. coming from Dave, you know, and he's just, he was here the weekend Robin Hood Men in Tights opened. And he was like, Gary, you know, can you take me to the movie? I haven't seen it. I'm like, yeah. And so I grabbed my son who was like four or five at the time. And we went and saw it. And it's like, now it's like, okay, so who took Dave Chappelle to see his very first movie? <laughs> Nobody else. Me and my son. Wow. It was like, it's crazy. He's just, you know, I and his team. Really, it's the team, too. They're amazing people. You know, I mean, he attracts those people. And then everybody else who, like, pops in and out of these world, you know, they're the best at whatever it is they do. So, right. you, know, you know, I'm talking to one guy, and he's like, so what you do? He's English. He's like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I own a comedy club. I'm like, what do you do? He's like, oh, I'm an investigative reporter for Vice News. I'm like, I'm like oh, I know who you are now. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're incredibly famous. Okay. Wow. You know, so the people come and go. I mean, I just got back from Minneapolis and you know, before, before we left the hotel to go to the venue, they were talking about, you know, Justin Bieber's rider. And I'm like, what? And they're like, oh yeah, Justin Bieber and Usher are performing tonight. I'm like, wow. Okay. Wow. It's incredible to be in that environment. Uh, it, it is. And it, it's, it's, it's incredible to watch and it's incredible to watch how they move. And I'm, I really, and I think that was kind of the point of what, that I never ended up getting to about my book and my stories. I look at the resiliency of some of these performers that I've known for decades and, you know, the incredible success that they've had and where they came from. You know, I know where they came from. I was there mm -hmm. at the beginning. So I see a whole, they look at me different than they look at other people. You know, Mike Epps started my open mic nights, you know, begging to get on stage. Wow. You know, so it's we have a different relationship than the comedy clubs where he plays now, where he's been playing as a star. Yeah. You know, and I have a different passion for this than a lot of the other comedy club owners. And I'm not taking anything away from them. You know, they love it, too. But, you know, mine is from a, a performer standpoint. Because I'm a performer at heart. You know, I'm a classically trained actor. I'm, you know, I did stand up. I'm, I, I want to see everybody succeed that it's the stage. I want to see them succeed not only comedically, but commerce. You know, I want everybody to make, be able to make a living at this. Yeah. But we have to do. So that's where that balance comes in. You know, so get to work. Yeah. <laughs> start start uh, yeah. posting six times a day. I think, I think that's the, the theme of today, get to work, get to essentially, work. and working smarter in that, in the new mentality of comedy, of not like, yeah, just hating yourself for 10 years, grinding it out on stage, but you're, you're your own everything now, so you've gotta make sure you do yeah, it. Yeah, there's no more excuses. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, back in the day, yes, you worked on your, your routine, you worked on your material, you worked on being funny, and then all it took was somebody to be in that audience. A gatekeeper or right, something, yeah. throw the switch, and boom, off you went. Those gatekeepers don't exist anymore. You are your own gatekeeper. Mm -hmm. So the only person keeping you from being successful in the marketing aspect of 
of your art form is you. All right. There's your answer, kids. Yeah. I guess. Get to work. No, that is the, that is. I mean, that is it. Yeah. That's the answer. I appreciate you sharing that and those stories and doing this again. This was awesome. Uh, like, I mean, I'm, <sighs> like I'm talking to you. So that's, that's the goal. You know, right. been doing it a little while. So we try to make it make it natural. I'll be back for episode 1000. I look for it. Well, it'll be when your book comes out, I guess. So it'll take that long for it to come out, I guess, is what you're saying. <laughs> 600 more episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it could take that long. It could take that long. Well, it, it's focus. cool. I'm I'm glad you've been able to see this from the beginning as well. So you can you'll be able to see the ascension of this. So I, I don't think there's any greater gift that has been given to me than to be able to turn around and look back and see the success of so many people. Because you know you're happy for them, and also you're happy for yourself because you go. I know it can be done. Mm -hmm. You know, Steve Harvey taught me the telemarketing system my person is doing in there right now. You know, that wasn't long. And he taught me that not long after he was living out of his car trying to make a living. In his 30s. Yeah. In his 30s. I've heard yeah, him tell he quit, that story. Yeah. He quit, yeah. He quit, he quit, I think it was with Zero. It was he with Xerox or IBM? One of them. Um, Jeff Foxworthy was with IBM. Then it was probably Xerox. Mm -hmm. Because I, I know it was one of the two of them. Yeah, yeah. Actually. Um, you know, and just to see these guys. I mean, Dave was a 20-year-old kid, you know, just coming into his own. And Dave was a little bit different because you recognized his genius, but you also recognized his passion and his humanity. You know, mm -hmm. he was he's different. He's different than he's one of the best humans on the planet. So I really like being around him. You know, and I look around the room and you know all these guys I've, I've watched them all start wow you know that's incredible and i'd never worked with eddie eddie was the uh until the pandemic and i worked three times he he, he came here three times oh, i didn't realize eddie griffin came here three times in nine in nine the, months yeah i reached i reached out to him one time about doing the show i didn't hear anything <laughs> how can i land like like I mean, I've had Cedric on. I've had like Jeff Foxworthy on. That's great. But like, I don't know how, how, how could I get like a, a Steve Harvey or like a Chappelle on? Yeah. What do you think that requires? That almost requires the show to elevate to where they are. Yeah. I that mean, noise you made seemed like it wasn't going to happen ever. Yeah, you're like, you're yeah, never going to do that. Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely do that. Okay. But like, I don't know what it, it requires the show to grow to where they are. They're not going to come down for the show. Right. It has to be something that's going to fit into their wheelhouse of, of what they're doing. Gotcha. You know, I mean, when you get to that level and the way they, they move, it's, it's not a heady thing, but it is all about them because there's a lot about them that has to get looked at. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they have a full team of people that handle all those different things, but, you know. It's got to be, well, how, how does this affect me? Because I've only got so many hours in the day and I'm incredibly famous. Right. So. Why would I do that? Uh, how is it benefiting me? Yep. Makes so, sense. Cool. All right. So well. That's that. And my lovely new lights and sound system. Your new lights and sound. I'm grateful. I remember the lighting system, there was just one spot that had light. And anytime someone moved off to this <laughs> side, you couldn't see them. I remember. Well, we were, yeah, we had issues with that. It, well, I, and part of that was we, we gave up because we had ordered these, but they were on 
you know, with supply chain issues, they were all on backlogged. So now they're good. Now that they're here, we're thrilled. Yeah. Well, yeah. Is there any, anything else you want the world to know, Gary? As we get out of here? That's it. Come, uh, come laugh. Follow us on social media, ATL Comedy Theater, and support live comedy. It needs yes. it. Yes. It needs the support. Could you look into the camera and tell them who you are and why they should listen to Hot Breath? <laughs> uh, hello. I'm, <laughs> I'm Garrett Abdo. I own the Atlanta Comedy Theater. And you should listen to Hot Breath because Joel needs to market and get his numbers up. Yes. So listen to Hot Breath, tag Hot Breath, and tell everyone you know to listen and tag and follow Hot Breath. Amen. All right. Thank you. Gary Abdo. Boom. Do you dab? Uh, Do you ever dab? No, I No, no. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Gary. That was fun. Thank you. There you have it, Hot Breath Diverse. This episode is one of over 400 comedy interviews we have on this podcast. So go check out our catalog. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel where we're doing three live streams a week. And until next Monday, right here on Hot Breath. <sighs>this episode of hot breath is sponsored by our patreon if any of our content has helped your comedy career join our patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life probably